All right, so we're starting over. All right, welcome back to another Three Rings podcast. With me is Vinayak. Neil isn't here today, um, but we do have a lot to talk about in a little bit of time. The NBA season has started off. Uh, Pistons start off a little bit slow, 0-4 right now. Um, they play the Magic on Saturday and have a tough stretch of Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, and Brooklyn again for the next week and a half. Vinayak, how, how are we feeling four games into the season? I think uh, it's safe to say we're probably not going to be making a run in the playoffs this year. Uh, we're in four. I think a lot of the same things that we saw last year still exist. The team is still... Still not, I don't think the team's still there yet. And even when Cade comes back, which hopefully, knock on woods, uh, tomorrow against the Magic, even when he comes back, I don't see the ceiling being raised like extremely high for us to make the plan. I think, I think now, honestly, uh, people, a lot of fans, and I think myself included, we've been looking at that 2022 draft, looking at, you know, Paulo Benchiro and all those people. But um, there have been, there have been some positive signs. I think uh, a good talking point was yesterday's game against the 76ers in the fourth quarter, I felt like the team really picked up and they played probably their best basketball of the season in terms of like offense wise and defense. They, their defense got them in the game. They went on a little run. Everyone was looking comfortable. Killian Hayes was looking nice. So yes, definitely some optimism as we head into the game against Orlando. Yeah. You mentioned Killian Hayes right there. Uh, you, you have some strong feelings about him. Uh, and how he's been playing lately. You want to explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, no, I just think, uh, you know, the first two games were obviously like a struggle and he did not, he did not play well. I think if you look at his like ranking, he was probably, he was rated like the worst offensive basketball player in the NBA. But I think these last two games, Killian Hayes has looked a lot more comfortable and it's kind of come in the later stretch of the game. So in Atlanta, it didn't really pick up until like the later part. I think it was like in the second, in the second quarter towards before like the first half it was for halftime he started picking up hit some jumpers he continued that into the uh <clears throat> continued that into the uh, second half but i was really impressed in the philadelphia game he was his, his just you could you saw the whole display you know he looked like a competent ball handler you know there were some plays where he was stealing the ball i remember tobias harris had the ball and then killian hayes just stripped it out of his hand so clean and he just looked a lot more comfortable you know i feel like he was driving we saw in philadelphia he finally got to the he got to the rim and instead of doing like a weird fadeaway shot he actually went up for the layup he also had a layup which was uh stupidly called as an offensive foul by kelly olenic i think i think if you rewatch that play i mean it was obviously there was no foul that should have been a buck a bucket for Killian Hayes, but I definitely think he's been showing some promising signs for now. Um, I was pretty low on Killian. I was like, I was thinking like we hit on Sadiq and I think we hit on Isaiah Stewart. So it's not that two out of three is not too bad, but um, he's looked a lot more comfortable these last two games. So maybe it is kind of an experience thing, getting used to it. I just want to see more of that aggressiveness. You know, for me, I don't care if he shoots like 20 shots. I don't care if he's shooting like 40% from the field. Killian Hayes needs to have like that Josh Jackson mentality, where it's just like, just shoot it, just keep shooting, because it's just going to only help his confidence for sure. I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. On I mean, I still don't know what to think about him because you do see a lot of players on this team. Uh, Josh Jackson 
as an example where they have these hot streaks and cold streaks. So I don't know if this is just a streak or this is a move in the right direction where he's actually getting more consistent and he is more confident. He does look a lot more confident. I will say that, but his shooting still is streak, still seems streaky and needs to improve a lot more. So I, I'm still waiting on that. So I don't know. I'm still kind of on, on the edge of like, he might not be that good. But we'll see if he's a, if he's a backup point guard to Cade in the future, then that's fine with me. But um, you you also talked a little bit about Sadiq Bay. He has been the leading scorer to the past four games and has just been, you know, kind of just an all around guy. He's been doing it all. He had a double double the second night against Chicago, and. He just, he, with Jeremy Grant, not completely a hundred percent, he's been really stepping up into that lead role and just, he's kind of taken over. He, you saw him yesterday against Philly. He kind of took over the fourth quarter Yeah. just in terms of like, I'm just going to shoot it and I don't care what you guys are going to do about it. And yeah, they lost, but still he looks, he looks like, He's more comfortable being that like leader right now with Kate out and with Grant not being uh, fully healthy. But you you also want to talk about um, some of the other guys, you know, the front court, uh, Isaiah Stewart, Kelly Olenek, Trey Lyles. Um, what, what, are, what are your thoughts about them so far? <laughs> I have I have some mixed feelings. Um from time to time first let's get into trey lyles uh i i will say like there's times where trey lyles like he looks good he looks good like he can shoot the ball you know he's driving to the basket but i feel like i don't know if it's just me but i feel like i've seen trey lyles put the ball on the floor a little bit too much like a lot more than i expected he would like there were times uh last night against the sixers where he would just take the ball and he would bring it up the floor and then like he would post up and obviously misses the layup. Cause he's not, he was trying to be physical, but I mean, it's Trey Lyle. So he's been kind of, he's been kind of frustrating. He's been a solid piece overall. I'm not, I'm kind of indifferent towards him. I don't, I don't like mind him. I don't hate him, but uh, he's an easy player to hate because of his comments towards Detroit like two or three years ago. So I, I've been kind of, I'm kind of iffy with Trey Lyles, but with Kelly Olenek though, I think he's been, He's been phenomenal. I don't think you can get too mad at Kelly Olenek. I mean, he was the player that kind of led this uh, comeback against, although you mentioned Sadiq Bey was a big part. Kelly Olenek also was playing huge minutes. He even led the comeback in like the first quarter. I remember like last night, the Pistons were like struggling so badly to score. And then Kelly Olenek comes off the bench and just provides a great scoring punch. I think he's been, he's been impressive and you, you can see how much more versatile he is compared to Mason Plumlee. Like, the floor is so hypothetically. I know right now the Pistons are struggling with shooting an offense, but hypothetically, and we've seen this from time to time, especially in the fourth quarter, the floor is why it's this. There's so much space inside because everyone's spaced out because of Kelly Olynyk's, you know, his ability to space the floor. And he's not, it's not even just spacing the floor. I've seen Kelly Olynyk put the ball on the floor, hitting fadeaways. He's going to the basket. He plays good defense. I mean, I, I think overall you have to be pretty. Um, pretty pleased with Kelly Olenek. And then we get into beef stew, big Isaiah Stewart. I'm not going to lie. I feel like 
I wish I've I've seen more from Isaiah Stewart in terms of his development. I still feel like he's getting kind of held back in terms of his um in terms of his offensive game. I think right now they're kind of utilizing a part of being a starting center is being just pick and roll, pick and roll guy. But you don't see them do like the pick and pop anymore that they used to do uh last season. And you don't really see him putting the ball on the floor. You just see him more as like a rebound guy, hustle get his get his layups and it's it's kind of disappointing because I wish they would utilize him you know more and maybe expand his offense game because we talked you talked about Sadiq Bey how he completely renovated his game went from just a three and d shout out Jay Crowder like a Jay Crowder type player to this uh you know trying to be this versatile scorer who can score on all three now Sadiq's like going into the paint I think Isaiah Stewart is capable of that you know he also has the big body like uh Sadiq Bey does so it's been kind of frustrating to see him kind of struggle, but I do think it is for the right betterment for him to be in the starting position as a center. And it'll come with time for him. I think he had an impressive game, I think, against Atlanta. He was passing the ball. He's been passing the ball quite well. Um, he had like three assists, I think, against the Sixers. And I think he had like four assists against the Hawks. So he's been passing the ball quite well, but I kind of want to see him, you know, put the ball on the floor and, you know, really shoot because like, Last season, I don't know, I'm like going on a tangent, but last season, Isaiah Stewart's shot was money. Like every time he shot it, you would think it was going in. This season, it's been not too much. And also it's just because he's not shooting the ball. But yeah, that's what I that's what I think about the big guys. How about you? How about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think Trey Lyles has been serviceable. And I think Kelly Olenek has been really good and i i used to not like him mainly just because he has a punchable face but like i mean trey lyles and olenic have been solid off the bench and i mean i was watching i think it was was it the hawks game or the chicago game i can't remember but at one point they had now i had to be the it was either or I don't fucking remember. It was the Hawks game or the Sixers game. At one point, they had Isaiah, they had Trey Lyles and Luca Garza on the floor at the same time, and I was just like, "This is terrible," <laughs> and that was such stupid coaching. And I think if you're gonna put Lyles out there, it has to be with Olenek. And I think Stewart, you mentioned him. I think he's built a good chemistry with Killian and Sadiq in terms of just like off the pick and roll and working with that. Cause they've run a few lobs in the past, a uh, couple games to him and just, yeah, it, the chemistry looks like it's there and he's just kind of, he's kind of just assuming a smaller role now that they have Olenek and Lyles. And I don't think that's a, a stunt on his development because I think he'll grow back into it once, you know, Lyles or Olenek is gone or they, they figure out a better rotation. Um, again, yeah, it's only game four, but we'll see. Um, another one I want to touch on is Josh Jackson because Josh Jackson has looked, uh, he's looked a lot better in terms of just like decision-making but in terms of his shooting, his shooting seems like it's still the same old Josh Jackson where it's like one night he's on, one night he's off. But the rest of his decision-making has been a lot better. And 
I mean, his defense has improved a little bit. He, yeah, he's, he's a starter now. So, uh, what do you think about, what do you think about him or any other person on the, the team you want to talk about? No, I think, I think you bring a good point. I think Josh Jackson's been, you know, like you mentioned, like his shooting has not been like, it's not been, it's been your typical Josh Jackson, hot and cold, but I think now he's like getting better as a player's understanding. He knows when he's hot. He knows when he's cold. So he knows that he's having an off night. He doesn't have to force the ball. And it's like you said, his decision-making has gone a lot better. There's, he's, I think he's done a good job of cutting back on the turnovers and being definitely a serviceable player on the defensive end. And that's kind of what we all kind of wanted Josh Jackson to be, just a really good defender. And if you could hit the three ball, I mean, that's that's basically a win. So I think Josh Jackson's been has been quite impressive. I, I've been really impressed by the way he's playing. Some other players too. Uh, as we can talk about Frank Jackson, I think uh, uh, the Sixers game, Frank Jackson looked pretty good. He had, I think, like nine points immediately off the bench in like four minutes. So it was good to see Frank get back to his old self. But man, I think when he's struggling, the whole bench is struggling because if Frank Jackson can't buy a shot, the whole bench, the bench, to be honest, like although we were praising uh, Kelly Olenek and Trey Lyles, compared to last season, I feel like last season, the bench just had a little bit more flair to it. Not, and they were number one in the league. Our bench was the best in the league, I think, or at least one of the top three. So I think it's kind of taken a step back and it kind of goes with Frank Jackson because if Frank Jackson's cold, like the shooting is pretty much gone. I mean, you have Corey Joseph, who's been, who's been all right. He's not as, he's not as good as he was last season, not as efficient. And I guess for him, like his jumper isn't there, but he's still really good at just attacking the basket. So I'd want to see more for him. And then um, you also have Hamadou Diallo, who's kind of had like an iffy, like he's been, he's been just okay. I don't think there's anything spectacular from Diallo, just some more hustle. I kind of, I kind of wanted Diallo to be, have a, have like a bigger role on the team. I think I wanted him to see, I wanted to see him start, to be honest with Cade, once Cade comes back and that may happen, but it feels like for now they like Josh Jackson more and maybe even Frank Jackson. So Diallo's kind of been, if he, the three point shot is not there, unfortunately for Diallo, I don't think I've seen him make one. I don't think I've seen him make one this season. And it seems like all, all he's doing is just, you know, being a body, being a body out there. So that was, that's pretty much that kind of is just the team. Although I did also want to talk about Luca Garza. Um, you can also talk about Garza, but um, I just love uh, last night when he was matched up against him. And I know Garza has now been coming in because Jeremy Grant has his like left elbow problem. So, and Isaiah Stewart in foul trouble too, but Garza coming in against Embiid was such a perfect entrance for him. You know, Embiid was really getting into it. You know, every time Embiid got the ball, he was scoring on Garza and at will. You know, Garza is not, unfortunately, not the best defender. He he tried to stand his ground, and I think he did maybe a couple of times, but, like, that's just not his thing. But I love how Garza came back on the other end, pick and pop, just hit two straight threes against the six. And I thought that was just that was just a cool moment for him. And I do think there is, like, a role for him, you know, in, in this league and on the Pistons. I think he can eventually evolve into, like, a solid backup center, like an instant offense type center. And that's what he's going to give you just straight buckets. And if he just became competent on the defensive end, if he just became like, you know, not, not like absolute, like if he could become a little bit better than like Ennis Cantor at defense, I think Luca Garza was a solid pickup at pick 52. I think that's solid value. I don't know. What were your thoughts on uh, Luca? Yeah. I mean, Hey, 
I the when I first watched him run up and down the court just to get back on defense, I was like, oh my god, because he takes the longest strides and he swings his arms from like the back, like as far out as you can go, and it was just it would just look a little goofy to me or not a little it looked really goofy to me but yeah he uh he he's a scorer man he he showed it in college like everyone knew he was a scorer it was just kind of his defense and just his athletic his lack of athleticism was the biggest question and that that has showed but he's got a big frame he's whatever 6'11 so I mean, yeah, he could carve out a role. Um, I don't know how big of a role that would be because I do think that, you know, a guy like Olenek is a lot like him that can be like a stretch four, stretch five that is a lot faster and a lot more defined and athletic. But, yeah, I mean, the the bench has been all right. And... You know, uh, the starters have been kind of a little bit shaky. Uh, you talked a little bit about Corey Joseph. You know, he didn't have the best night against Atlanta. I think it was. He, he struggled a little bit. But, I mean, all the all the guards are going to struggle with Trey Young. And, you know, like last night, all the bigs are going to struggle against Joel Embiid because those are two of the – most dominant scorers right now in the league are not dominant or Embiid's dominant, but Trey Young's one of the biggest scorers in the league right now. And I think the Pistons were in every single game this year at, you know, in the second half at one point or another. So, you know, they've shown that they can win, but they just got to put, they just got to put a win together and just play well all four quarters um, their shooting has not been the best. It's been pretty shaky, but I think they can figure that out. Um, yeah, we can we can talk about more than the Pistons, though. We can talk about other stuff going on in the league. Obviously, Miles Bridges has been a big talking point around here, at least with uh, MSU ties. He's been having a pretty good season so far. And then... Um, we talk about Jalen Green and Evan Mobley because Mobley has really been showing out. And Jalen Green had a couple good nights and he's had a couple bad nights. So, I mean, what do you want to talk a little bit about that too? Yeah, no, and I mean, we could talk about we could talk about Russ's quadruple double if you count turnovers. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Let's we can let's start with the rookies first. Um, I'll just I'll just give my brief overview on like what I think about each rookie so far. So Jalen Green, I was listening uh, before the draft to this podcast. This guy, his name is like Dean on draft. And he had some pretty ridiculous takes stuff like Kate shouldn't be number one. Kate should be like number four, number five. And Evan Mobley should be number one, which so far looks like kind of like the right. But he had a really interesting take on Jalen Green that he wasn't high on him. And he said that he has more of like a J.R. Smith type of potential where it's just a really streaky scorer. And I feel like that's literally what Jalen Green's like experience in the NBA has been. He's just been a streaky shooter. And I actually did not know how much he relies on that three-point shot. So even in the game where he uh, had 30 points, I think he hit, hit like eight threes. So 
I actually, I, I was under the belief that Jalen Green was just this dynamic scorer who could, who scores from all levels of the floor, but it really seems like the three point shot is like basically what dictates his game. So when he has a poor game, it's because he's shooting like two for seven. Like I think yesterday they were playing the Mavericks shot like two for seven or two for nine from three. He was just really struggling from three. And once he struggles from three, that's basically, that's it. That's kind of like a rasp for Jalen Green. So I wonder like how he'll start to, you know, balance out this hot and cold night. Cause it feels like he's just getting on this streaky pathway. And then you're looking at people like, I don't know, like, yeah, like Jamal Crawford, you know, J.R. Smith, like those type of streaky score, Jordan Clarkson. I hope, hopefully he can carve out a role. But um, two other rookies I do want to talk about. They've been the talk of the tension. First, let's talk Evan Mobley. Um, just a phenomenal, just, he's been so, he's just been so good. Like, I think one of the m- more underrated, or I mean, it was pretty known that he just doesn't make poor decisions. When he was at USC and he had the ball in his hands, he doesn't make, he makes the right read every single time. And I think you're seeing that as, you know, as a time with the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, he's contesting shots. He's passing the ball. The whole display is, it's, it's the whole arsenal is on display. So it's, I've been, I've been very impressed with Mobley. And I think it kind of goes to show a lesson about how position, I don't know, because a lot of people are against bigs. A lot of people think, Oh, just because you're a big man, you know, you're not used but if you, Evan Mobley was kind of a generational prospect. I think, I think he's better than the ones, at least the big men's this like Chet Holmgren and Paul. I think he's, he's above, he's another level on them. I think it kind of goes to show that you shouldn't look at things such as, Oh, you know, he's so skinny. He's going to get broken down the NBA. Like he's just dominating. So I've been impressed by Evan Mobley and, Honestly, I think if I had to vote for a, a rookie, I think it'd be close, but I would give the notch to Evan Mobley. And then just one more rookie. Let's talk about Scotty Barnes. Uh, Sam Vecini, uh, a writer for The Athletic, you know, he's the draft guru. Um, a lot of people follow. I follow his work, and he makes amazing content. But one thing he said about Scotty Barnes was that he was a zero-level scorer. And I think this... I don't know. It's just been so surprising to see Scotty Barnes all of a sudden start scoring 16 points, 20 points. I think he had like 25 against the Celtics. It's been kind of weird to see him do that. I know a lot of his scores are like around the rim. He'll get miss a shot, put it back up. But like for someone that was that was advertised as a person who can do it all except score, he's doing quite a bit of scoring. It's been I think it's part of it is because he's on the Raptors and the Raptors is just the ideal spot for I think any prospect. The development there is just off the charts with all the young prospects they have and just like the where they're at as a franchise where they're not like tanking. They're not like the Magic or even like the Pistons where we're like we're trash. You know, the Magic, the, the Raptors actually have like, you know, they have a foundation. You know, they can go for the playoffs. And I feel like that environment is conducive to success. So I've been impressed with Scotty Barnes for sure. I don't know. I've been there. Any other rookies for you in that you've been, uh, you've been keeping your eye on. Um, honestly, not really. I I mean, I've been kind of surprised at the lack of playing time that some of these rookies have gotten. Um, one that comes to mind right now is James book night. He, yeah. he really hasn't played at all for Charlotte um Kaminga and Moody haven't really played I I, I mean Kaminga's hurt but Moses Moody hasn't really played that much for Golden State uh like Corey Kispert not really I mean we, we yeah like you said Scotty Barnes has been solid um I mean Franz Wagner hasn't been terrible 
he's been he's been, he's been all right for Orlando so far. He, I mean, Jalen Suggs has been okay. Um, the Pacers, the Pacers start. Uh, what's his name? The rookie. Yeah, Chris Duarte starts for the Pacers, which is kind of weird to me because I do think the Pacers are probably a playoff team. But yeah, the Cavs, I think Mobley to the Cavs was kind of a match made in heaven for for them, at least, because Colin Sexton and Garland. Um, So if they were stuck with taking Jalen Green or Cade, they probably would have a little difficulty there. You think about like for thing that comes to mind is Sacramento. They they still struggle balancing out De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton, and uh, Buddy Healed. So I think I think that's a good match for them. And yeah, he's been he's been pretty dynamic um, defensively, and he he's pretty he lo- he looks really raw offensively, but at the same time he also looks smooth. Um, if that makes sense, but yeah. Um, I mean, you want to talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, you want to talk a little, little bit about the other teams, like the teams in the West, uh, like the Lakers right now have, you know, the, yeah. the Knicks are off to a hot start. They're not in the West, but the jazz, the jazz have been, you know, solid. The Warriors have been solid. The Lakers have struggled a little bit still. And you know, I don't know. They they got beat pretty badly by uh, by Phoenix. They the Thunder had a comeback win against them, and yeah, and then Steph, Steph has been you know what everyone thought he'd come back to be, and is having like an MVP season again. Or it also, looks like it. John Moran too. John Moran's been really. I think he's averaging like 33, 34 points a game. It's been kind of crazy, but um. I think uh, my thing with the West. Also, I just want to say with the Knicks. I think Aiden, your prediction may not be. You were pretty rough on the Knicks. It looks like they. Uh, they I do. I was. I I did not account for Kemba coming back and being this good. I thought Kemba was washed. He was a he was a cooked product. He's done. But he's been. He's had some solid solid outings lately. And Evan Fournier has been like surprisingly good. So I do. I do. I do uh, still stand by my Knicks take. I think that they'll regress. Just it's just hot. they're off to a hot start. So yeah, but with the with the Lakers, at least that game against the Thunder was just so funny to see them. You know, blow the twenty six point lead, and it was so cool. Like Darius Baisley had the dunk at the end of the game, and then Russell Westbrook gets all mad and like frustrated, and he's just like, "Don't do that." But I, I don't know why, but I get the sense that Russell Westbrook would do the same thing if his team was up and he would just dunk the ball like that. And it's just kind of, I don't know, like, I don't know if, like, you can also talk about this too with, like, the Lakers, at least, and this can be a kind of a little segment. I don't know if, like, the Lakers are, I don't know if they have it. You know, like, I think LeBron is obviously a plus factor, but I've been, like, at my time following the league, I've, like, started, I've started to know, like, certain players are conducive to, like, winning championships and are are winning players so i'll give you an example the pistons fans all know this andre drummond you can you can put him on a team like you put him on a team like the lakers last season but they're not gonna do they're not gonna do much i don't know i just feel like certain players they're like ceiling they're they like limit their winning ceiling unless they're surrounded by all superstars it has to be an all superstar thing and that's what i get the feeling with the lakers i feel like some of the players on the team like 
I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. This is not to discount anything like Russell Westbrook done. He's a phenomenal player, but like I just wonder, just like, is it enough? I feel like I feel like Westbrook kind of caps their seal. I don't know. Like I don't know if we, what you think about this, but I just feel like the game I saw against like the Phoenix Suns, and you know he had a great game against the Spurs, but still it just feels like it's just something just seems off with that. And I just don't know if Westbrook on the Lakers is going to be conducive to them winning a championship because I could easily see them going out now in like the first or second round. And just because of just like Russell Westbrook having an off night, just shooting break after break. And it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of tough to watch. And also like players like Carmelo Anthony and all like, these are good veteran players, but like none of them have won. It's kind of what I said about the bulls last week. Like the bulls also, by the way, look really good. So I may have to take that back, but still the whole idea that, you put all these players together who haven't really like Carmelo hasn't won a ring. You know, you got new players like Malik Monk and Malik Monk is now getting the the big shots. You know, he, he had a great shot against the Spurs, but then against the Thunder, it was like an air ball. So did Melo. So it's like these players who've never been in this position before, you know, how does that like translate to winning? I'm not sure. I'm not sure in the Lakers. And I don't know. They're now the favorite. You mentioned the jazz. I think the jazz, like, Although I'm not going to lie. I know y'all picked the jazz to go to the finals. Uh, something about it is just, I don't know. I just can't trust them in the playoffs until, until I see it, until I see with my own eyes that Rudy Gobert can be put on the floor. But yeah, no, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you for that at all. Um, I, I do want to, you were right here so far. Um, your your pick on the Timberwolves has also been pretty solid. Um, but again, we're only we're only two weeks in, so this could all change. Um, but yeah, I mean the the Trailblazers have looked they looked all right. I mean the Lakers the Lakers have struggled. You you talk about you know championship caliber players and like you know a guy like Carmelo or a guy like Westbrook you know have always assumed the role of being the number one guy or the number two guy um with respect to KD who's arguably the best player in the league um so there's that um so it's like you know what are you gonna do when you assume the role as the number four or five guy when you've never done that in your life so i i do think that that's uh i agree with that take and that's a that's very uh a serious dynamic for the lakers right now especially even like a guy like deandre jordan too who's gonna get his minutes taken away um a lot i do think um, yeah, the Bulls is so weird because I don't think I still don't think the Bulls are going to be that good. And I think they got a good run against, you know, the Pelicans have not been that great of a team. The Pistons are the Pistons. And, you know, the Raptor, the Raptors, I'm, I'm really not, I'm really not bought into the Raptors um, with like on a newbie and, Van Vliet as like their two star players, um, so I don't know. I mean, they they lost to the Knicks on a tight one yesterday, so there's that. I yeah, I just don't, I just don't know what to think still because it is, it is only five games into the season. I so I think I think this whole uh, standings in the East will definitely change, but I think the standings in the West so far the standings in the West so far look pretty accurate. There, there's going to be some changes 
in the middle near the bottom but i do think jazz warriors mavericks are you know some of the top teams in the in the west but uh yeah so you know we we got pretty much all we could get out of the nba obviously there's a lot more but um this this weekend is pretty special for both of us because we do go to rival schools as I go to MSU and Benike and you'll both go to U of M. So there is a top 10 matchup in East Lansing tomorrow. So what, let, let me, let me hear what you have to say about this game. Cause I do have a lot to say too. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit on the more like on the pest. I'm, I'm not going to say pessimistic, but like, I haven't like as far as like Michigan goes like I just haven't I don't know the the team like is like good and we're like seven and zero but I think you could also attribute it to like the competition we've played although Wisconsin and Nebraska have been impressive wins and they have showed in in like in moments of adversity they have like showed but like I just think for example that Nebraska game was a game which like we really had in control and it just went by like so quick and then McNamara throws an interception and I wonder like. I wonder how much can he trust Magnamar? Because I have a feeling that, like, um, I don't know, that a run game, like, let's say a run game stops isn't isn't the best uh, tomorrow. It's just, like, how will they move the ball as much? I know I know. There's, this has been kind of an overblown concern, but, like, I wonder if they bring in J.J. McCarthy, J.J. McCarthy on, on offense and get him get him some runs. So I think it'll be definitely a uh, – it'll be a dogfight. And I'm, I am, for Michigan's sake, I am very glad that it is a noon game because uh, I was telling people if it was a 3.30 or a 7 p.m. game, I think we would be getting – I don't know, I didn't like our chances. But I do like our chances at noon, you know, catch them early, catch the students early. It won't be – it'll still be loud, obviously, but it won't be as, like, I guess as, you know, as much of an atmosphere as it would be at, like, noon – at, like, at, at a night game. So I guess that plays in our in our favor. But, yeah, no, I, I'm nervous. I, I, I know we're, like, favored to win, but – these teams, like people have been trying to prove it one way or the other, they're about as even as it gets. Like it's like, I don't know, it's like two seven and zero teams who weren't really supposed to be seven and zero, but it's like here we are, and it's like each team's first to trust. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of on. I'm, I don't know what to say. I'm I'm kind of lost. What do you think? What do you think about the game? No, I am I am nervous because I don't know what either team really is because I do think that MSU and U of M have a similar schedule where they did play a, a power five school out of conference that has not met expectations this year with Washington and Miami. I do think that Michigan has played two really big road games where they played, you know, at Wisconsin and then they played a night game at Nebraska, which both games were, you know, loud and you know sold i don't i mean they were probably sold both sold out so i think that does give them you know i wouldn't say it gives them an advantage but they've been there before and i feel like they'll be a little bit more comfortable but i I really don't know how to feel just because msu uh msu is never favored but a lot of the experts and people like i read articles from like even on like espn the athletic you know, other sources just on Twitter. A lot of the experts are taking MSU to win. And I'm like, I don't know how to feel about this because I've never had anyone pick MSU to win. So, 
so this this is interesting but yeah i am i am a little cautious uh as well but the the home crowd definitely favors msu and the the weather is not supposed to be the greatest so we'll see we'll see what that that does to both teams but i don't know this does i don't mean to sound like a michigan fan but this does seem like a different jim harbaugh team just in terms of the the rest of their coaching staff um and yeah like you said i wonder what they do with jj mccarthy because i do feel like they have you know the training wheels on both Cade mcnamara and mccarthy because they don't trust Cade to do you know to throw the the ball deep down the field and i don't think they trust mccarthy to uh to 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 handle the ball every possession without I think he's probably turnover prone. Yeah. So we'll see about that. Um I don't know about MSU. I mean like the offense has been solid. It's been better than most years. Um pretty much any year under D'Antonio. And then the defense has been bend don't break. So I'm yeah. scared that they could break this week. Um, but yeah, I, I've been nervous. I haven't been talking much shit, so I'm, I'm kind of just waiting for tomorrow. It, it is going to be a big atmosphere or a good atmosphere because you know there's a lot of th- stuff going on. Obviously, Halloween weekend, uh, college game day, big noon kickoff. I think Barstool is going to be there, so there's going to be a ton of ton of stuff like festivities, and I think both teams are really amped up and ready to go. Are you going to be going through uh, all three, or how are you going to do it? Are you going to split your time in one in the college game day? No, gonna- I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to any of them. I'm getting in line at uh, nine a.m. I'm trying to get a trying to get the best seat I can get for the student oh. section. That's that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But I have I have walked past all three. I've I've walked past college game day and uh, the big noon kickoff, both of their uh, setups and stages. So yeah. So, but one thing I did want to ask though, with this game, it's just kind of crazy to think. I think for both Michigan and MSU fans, like the winner of this game is now like a top four team. Like it's probably gonna be like a top four, top five team when the college football playoff rankings come out next week. And th- it feels weird because it feels like I don't think like either Michigan or M. Like if you're naming like the top four teams realistically. I don't think like Michigan or MSU are are in that list. And it's just kind of crazy to feel like we're at this point in the season where I still don't know, like we're top six and uh, MSU is also in the top eight, but it's like, it's still kind of crazy that the winner of this game is going to be like five or four. And it's just like, you know, if we played Alabama, like, I think we, we would know, <laughs> we know kind of our fate. So it's like, it's kind of crazy. Like the, the stakes are pretty high for this game for sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. And to think that both of these teams only won two games last year is mm-hmm. crazy to me too. So just that that dynamic from how well both of these teams have progressed. And, you know, people weren't really picking Michigan to win more than seven or eight games. And people weren't picking MSU to win more than like four or five. So wow. both, both, I feel like, have exceeded expectations to this point. But yeah, it'll be really interesting. And I, I do think deservingly so that the winner of this game will be put in the top four. 
Mm-hmm. And I think they should be put over Cincinnati as well. Cause I do think that both of these teams would beat Cincinnati if they played them. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I think, I think this is like kind of one of those weird years where it's like, you kind of know who's like when Iowa was ranked number two, I think everyone knew that they were not number three. It, it was crazy to me to think Iowa was like the number two team and they beat up on Penn just because they beat Penn state who now I know Sean Clifford is injured, but now lost in nine overtime to Illinois, which is in itself just fascinating to see. And then now Penn yeah, State. Yeah, that was a crazy game. Yeah, and then now it's a Penn State's a primetime game against OSU and is primed for what was once going to be such an amped-up game. And I think college game day would have gone there had Penn State not lost to Illinois, but now it's just, it looks like it's just being an Ohio State beatdown. So, yeah, just an exciting week of college football uh, coming up tomorrow for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so we got exciting week in college football. Um, we on Saturday as well. Maybe if we get an MSU win, we could also get a Pistons win over the Orlando Magic before, yeah, we go on a super tough stretch. Hopefully, Kate's um, back tomorrow. Fingers crossed on that as well. Yeah, finger no, for sure. Fingers crossed that Cade is back tomorrow and you know, he's healthy for the rest of the season because I do think this team will be a lot better with him. Um, any final thoughts on Pistons, MSU, U of M, uh, NBA, anything? Uh, yeah, no, just we just have uh, both teams, both the Pistons and the college football teams, you know, it's all about you know, doing better than expectations. I know the Pistons have it and Michigan has so, and Michigan state has, but uh, yeah, I'm just excited for sports. It just feels great to just be back to just normal sports. Like 2020 wasn't what, I mean, it was there, but you know, it just didn't feel right now. It feels like we're actually like back to normal sports, how it used to be, you know, at the Pistons, you know, the Lions, all the lines are trash. And then you have these MSU <laughs> Michigan, Michigan games. So no, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see Kate Cunningham. Hopefully he's back by the time we film our next podcast and um, we'll talk about him and how he's doing and what the pin killing Hayes and his development. And hopefully, um, you know, be- <coughs> may the best team in Michigan win. I'm not I, like Aiden. I'm also not going to talk too much trash. I think trash talking Michigan fans. We trash talked the crap, the, the shit out of MSU last year. And we lo- we said we were going to destroy them. I know Barstool U of M did that. And we lost to MSU, so no trash talking this year. May the best team from Michigan win. And yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. My my focus for the past week has honestly been on this uh, U of M MSU game, and I don't know. I feel I feel like you'll get a lot uh, better better information and uh, details of the of uh, the Pistons once this game is over from me at least because this has been my main focus. But, yeah, I, I'm really hoping that Saturday will be fun. And, yeah, just, yeah, like you said, it's great to be uh, be back with, you know, sports back to normal pretty much. So, yeah, all right. We just want to say thank you again. Remember to like and subscribe and maybe even leave a comment if, if you want to. Um, but that's it for me. Yeah. Thanks guys for listening. And yeah, we'll, we'll try to be, we'll, 
we're trying to get these weekly episodes in and hopefully we'll have more piston stuff to talk about it is the early part of the season so usually it's dead it's usually kind of the dead period but once these football games are over and we can get through into nba it's yeah we'll get we'll definitely get a lot more analysis and stuff but yeah guys thanks for listening and yeah take care